0: Q Playback. Uh, welcome back to Q Playback, the podcast that looks at uh, DIY recording, songwriting and production uh, starting in the 1990s of Melbourne and sprawling out around the world. Uh, today, my guest is... Camille De Uh Thanks so much for being here, Camille.
1: Pleasure. Thanks for having um,
0: me. So normally we would um, go into the year that we met and the charts, but I, f- I felt like That's almost redundant. Um, Was it maybe four years ago we first met? Four, five years ago? I'm not quite sure. Four,
1: yeah. Three, three, four, something like that, yes.
0: Um, And and I don't think music charts are really relevant to, well, not to my life. I don't know about your life. No, no. Uh, I don't look to charts for um, the validation of any uh, worthwhile art anymore, uh, if I I did at any point. But um, uh, yeah, so tell us a little bit about your background and um, how you first came to, I'll just say writing, shall I?
1: Yeah, okay. So my background is um, actually more in writing, poetry in particular. Um, I've put a a few books now and uh, during the process of that I really got interested in how sort of um, music and poetry have had this shared history. And um, I'm wasn't a trained musician and I just really wanted to explore the music side of that so how to, how to turn poetry into music. and I just started doing that um, playing around on the keyboard, um, using YouTube to learn how to do that <laughs> a lot. I have to say, I will say I did some music lessons as a child just for mm-hmm. a couple of years. Um, I never did any composition or anything like that. So it was a very elementary. And, and what were those
0: uh, lessons? What was the experience of those lessons? Was it a, a positive? Or...
1: Yeah, I really loved it. And I think, you know, sometimes I wouldn't say it's a regret that I didn't, you know, just, you know, bit of a dark thing to go down if you start regretting those things. <laughs> I do wish that I had continued with it and that perhaps I'd had someone, um, wiser than myself to, to tell yeah. me. It became a bit of an obstacle, I think, um, for me, music lessons then was, I had to pay for the lessons myself. I had to get myself there. Um, and I was just a bit too young to be focused enough or, um, to stick with it. And so everything else started, all the other responsibilities that were Mm. happening in my life were weighing me down too much. So I gave it up, Mm. um, without realizing what a loss that was going to be in my life. But, um, I am okay now with also finding it when I'm a bit older and, Mm. you know, I've got some other things to say now as an older person so
0: yeah i mean i think that's one of the great things that you can always come to music there's no i mean people will talk about barriers to entry and maybe um, what you've just described uh, at that point in your life was um, a barrier to entry with music but um you know it's always there waiting um and as um yeah, other parts of your life have now shown it's become a, a bigger, a much bigger part than it was then. So
1: yeah, I felt the barrier, but I also feel the barrier is quite superficial. Mm. So you can either decide to buy into it, and it, I mean, superficial, but also real, because mm. there is pushback. People, are, you, know, you know, you are meant to do it at a certain age. Yeah, music is aimed more towards twenty-two year olds. Mm. But the other thing that I always think of is I like music now, so that doesn't mean that there's not an audience out there for me. Um, I might have to do it in a less conventional way. I might have to do more of it myself, Um, but I still think it's worth giving it a shot Mm. if that's what you love to do.
0: Yeah, I was just thinking back to my first piano lessons and being hit with a ruler if I got the notes wrong. Uh, so it wasn't as inspiring. Oh,
1: I had a really lovely <laughs> so, piano teacher. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't have paid for my own transport and lessons <laughs> at that point <laughs> in life. Um, uh, and so piano, um, was there any uh, a time other instruments took your interest or was that the the, um, the one that seemed to resonate most with um, how you're writing.
1: I do remember my mother taking me to some guitar lessons prior to the piano lessons. Um, but I was under 10. We only went a few times. I'm not sure why that ended. Um, I just can't remember. Mm. Too young. I do remember really enjoying it. Um, and certainly during COVID, I sort of picked it up um, and thought I might try to teach myself that as well. Um, the only reason I didn't continue was because I felt like it was dividing my attention too much. Right. And I just wanted to get better at what I was already doing.
0: Yeah. And that's often, um, a question that comes up with production for me, um, that younger artists will be saying, well, if I do this, can I record at home? And how do I do this to record at home? And often I'll say, look, you can learn all of these things but you have to decide what you want to be doing. If, yes. you, want, if you want to be a, a performer um, and an artist, focus on doing that and then let s- someone else's uh, time and knowledge do all of those things that could be taken away from your time focusing on writing or performing or trying to get shows. Or um, Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. Um, and I guess I'm fairly egalitarian in my, my approach to music, so I want everyone to be able to access those things. But at the same time, uh, I think there's a good case to be made for focusing on what you really want to be doing.
1: Yeah, um, I think for me that, you know, that really rings true too and I really enjoy the creating process and I actually don't care too much what instrument right. I was yep. using. Um, pianos had been around me a lot when I was younger. I love the sound. I find that feels more natural to compose on for me, and I'm just happy to go with that. But, you know, if it had started with guitar, then that's where I would have been too. Mm. But I just really love writing songs. Um, And even now that I'm not solo, um, I've even stepped back from that, so I'm still writing the lyrics and composing the music, um, but I actually have someone else playing the keys now for Mm. me. So
0: Well, that must be very liberating as a, um, a singer. Um, That's one of my regrets. The most bands that I mean I have to play as well, but um, I'd much rather be um, stalking around the stage and trying to emote a bit more.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's fantastic. Like there was part of me to begin with that was like, oh, I feel a little bit sad that I won't be doing that so much. Um, But now that we are doing it and up there I'm like, this is great because I just really get to focus on singing and I get to give more to that whereas when I am doing keys and singing it's that dividing again Mm. of your energy um and because I have I'm not haven't been trained vocally now I get to really experiment with that and learn more about my voice and yeah it's really liberating it's great
0: um so we would normally at this point talk about first recording experiences but it might be um a bit more interesting to step back to first writing experiences, I think, or what was the first way that you felt like what you had to say needed to be uh, documented in in some form? Um, And was that, uh, did that start with poetry or did it start like a lot of artists with um, a portable cassette deck and record or... How did it work for
1: you? Um, it started with poetry, mm. and I—I I mean, I did look up on the internet, like how do you write lyrics? How it, but more for structure. I was mm. just looking at structure, um, and then I actually kind of had a bit of a hard time getting my head around it. So then I just went back to, well, I'm just going to use how you know the structure that I do for poetry, mm. and the one thing that I did pick up on is it just means that I can repeat some of the verses <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. and I basically went with that so I think some of my lyrics have um, you know they're a little bit different in their structure mm-hmm. and so the, the way that I sing them and that sort of thing is, is a little bit different um, and at first when I first started getting those comments that it was I was like oh does that mean I'm doing it wrong <laughs> but now I'm sort of like oh no it just means I'm doing it differently.
0: That's right yeah and Often when people are beginning uh, with something that's sort of a different that there is that as you said pushback Um, but often that's the thing that becomes the defining quality of that artist. Um, So I think it's worth persevering with. Um, uh, And so with poetry, were you reading poetry or was it just something that you felt driven to do?
1: It's actually more just something that I've been driven to do I find it a really um just a great way to express not just how you're feeling but also to try to make sense of the world that's moving around you mm. and put
0: that into words
1: um so yeah yeah
0: it was um and then the last book that um you sent to me like I was struck by uh, how so the, there's a a really great social commentary that uh resonated with me um quite heavily, Uh, maybe because I'm a raving lefty, but um, uh, uh, I think I've spoken about this before, but in my own writing, uh, a lot of people know that I've um, worked in community on housing estates for uh, uh, just my 16th year. Um, And so there are experiences that I have that I try to unpack, but I can't do them in detail because you have to be respectful of the people that you're interacting with. But reading your poetry, it was like, yeah, that's a really valid point. Um, and this is a, often a universal human experience, but it's got the good questions in there about why are we doing these things? Um, why do we live the way we do? Um, is, do you always start from that kind of point or you, or do you feel like is a fairly broad base of your writing style?
1: It is. I'm actually terrible at writing about myself. Um, I find that really uncomfortable and also I want to understand, I think to understand myself, I have learnt that I actually need to first understand the world that I belong to Mm. and I like to understand it from the broader perspective and I think that's how you actually come to know who you are. Um, And people quite often ask, you know, who inspires me and who am I reading or, you know, what other musicians, you know, have I taken inspiration from? And it's actually not really any of those. It's I like to uh, read philosophy and probably the biggest influence on the way that I write and analyse the world has been from someone um, called (laughs) Chomsky. Yep, excellent. (laughs) So, yeah, it's a little left field. Mm. Um,
0: I I remember when I started asking a lot of those deep questions, uh, probably like in my very early 20s, um, what's his classic manufacturing consent?
1: Consent, yes.
0: Um, Which I I think when you, you do think about the world deeply and you start wondering why are these things happening this way, why are we saying this is the right way to be doing things. Um, someone like Noam Chomsky is able to um, get into the minutiae and the details. Um, and so for someone like myself, who's primarily driven by feelings, um, being able to, to read um, that kind of text and say, oh, yeah, here's the information, here's the facts. Yeah, um, you're, you're not wrong to be feeling this way. Um, yeah, I I mean, I think there's, it's almost like the flip side of the coin with poetry that you're looking for that human experience and then you're looking for that deeper understanding. So, um, yeah, were there there other, um, philosophers or, uh, language experts that,
1: uh... No, I think he's the main one, definitely the standout. He just has this really unique way of... Well, explaining how the world works, mm. which then kind of makes you rea- well, put your life into perspective, into context, and um, makes you realize how interconnected we all are. Mm.
0: And so, that journey of trying to understand yourself, is that ever going to finish?
1: Well, it's who you are is always developing with. Who the world is, what mm. what the world is, and what it's doing. So, I suppose it should never change. Yep.
0: Yeah. Um. So I mean,
1: sorry, I meant that it should always be changing. The, <laughs> you're the, al- you're
0: always exploring yeah, the pro- it. The process yes, to never changes. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when you um, did first get to recording, which was more recently, uh, what can you tell me about that experience? Was that um, enjoyable, confronting? Um, uh, because I uh, uh, listening to some of your music, I've, I've sometimes thought, oh, it's almost like the poetry is wrestling the structure. Yes. Um, What can you tell me about that experience?
1: I just jumped in the deep end. Completely naive, no idea what I was doing, really didn't even understand tempo. I was singing as if the same way you would almost read poetry. Mm. So, you know... um, just the way that I would, you know, sort of like the first line would start on the first beat and then just, you know, it was structured in that way. Um, I look back on it and I'm like, who do I think, you know, who did you think you were just walking in there going, (laughs) yeah, I'm just going to give this a go. Like (laughs) anyone could just do this. Um, And almost for a while felt a little bit Embarrassed um, at my at how naive I was, but now I'm sort of like, oh, it was just brave. Like mm. you've just got to take a chance sometimes. Yeah, I mean, you
0: have to start the process. Somewhere. You've
1: got to start somewhere. I really did start in the deep end by just walking into the studio and going, I just want to record this song. Mm. Um, but you get some help along the way too. And, well, you know, it's not like anyone tries to force you out of the way that you want to do it, but you get a few tips mm-hmm. and, like, and you can choose to take them or not and, yep. and that helps develop it. I do, like, I can't listen to the first song that I recorded. Right. Yep. I It was just too much um, for me and I have been contemplating re-recording it, but then I also... There seems to be, I think there's something important about leaving it out there as well to say that you don't have to just get it all right Mm. and art is a process and it's a messy process and if we keep trying to show people just the end product when you have kind of figured it all out, I think that that can be really, it's not dishonest but it's not enough of the story.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a really different approach for music because um, we're often told you know, it has to be perfect, it has to be a consistent product, um, whereas people that come from more, I guess, independent artist backgrounds are more comfortable with the idea. Um, so most of the music that I love the most, I like to remember that there's actual people uh, making music together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's not always going to sound perfect. Um, the, the recording technique isn't always going to be, you know, high end. But um, sometimes it's just the energy that's created um, that um, that carries you along. There's um, a band from upstate New York called High Up, and they did a, um, a, a lo-fi indie soul album, and that was one of my favourite albums that year. But the recording is deliberately dirty and. Um, from an audio perspective, you could say, "Wow, that would sound great if you went and recorded it." You know, in a really high-end studio, and you got rid of you know some of the um, the overdriven um, drums and guitar sounds. And but um, overall, you're just listening and being swept up in that in that energy. Um, and I, I'd prefer that um, to perfection any time I think. So. Yeah. Now, if anyone can hear Dorothy the cat in the background, I'll just apologise. Normally she doesn't uh, get picked up, but uh, she's a very clingy cat and um, she's just trying to get into the studio here, so I apologise. So tell us a little bit more about um, that recording technique. Did you go in um, with... uh, the song ready to go or were you um, looking to work with a producer to develop um, that first song?
1: I Originally I was just going to, I had written the music on the piano um, and I was just going to put it up on SoundCloud as a link in mm-hmm. a poetry book and then we ended up um, putting it up on a platform called Better? Okay. Yeah, and then I got approached by a producer on that. He's actually in the UK, so I've never met him in person. All oh, right, right. Yep. Um, and he has been the one doing my whole album and it's been amazing. Um, he's classically trained and he's been very open to my style um, and the bits that I kind of can't do, I think he just lifts up and goes with what I'm doing and I don't know, I can't, he's just amazing. <laughs> 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 um, and so, yeah, we've just been working on that together. So when I talk about, you know, the first song, um, you know, I struggle to listen to it now Um not the parts that he did, <laughs> I right. would say. It's yeah. just the way that I sing it. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> that feels a little bit cringy to me. Um, but at least now I can perform it live differently. Mm. Um, but, yeah, that was the, the process of, of of getting, you know, it out there and um, working with other people. And, mm. yeah.
0: and is that translating well to having a three-piece for the live performances now?
1: Yeah, funnily enough, Um, The other two people that have joined me are also classically trained. So they've been uh, working in orchestras, Mm. (laughs) which is quite daunting for me because I am so unstructured in the way that I'm doing it, not because I'm deliberately trying to be unstructured, just simply because I don't know the structure. (laughs) Mm. Um, So uh, I'm, yeah, just blown away that people that... I For me, I'm just in awe of them and I'm just like, you know it all, like why do you want to be <laughs> with me? Why
0: well, do you want the, to do yeah, that? The, the, <laughs> there must be some value to what you're doing if uh, um, they want to hang around. So,
1: so, yeah, yeah, they seem to enjoy the, um, the breaking from structure, I suppose. Mm. And the one thing that they've actually taught me is that, yes, there's this way that people... Um, maybe learning music in the way that they have done it, but there's actually no rules. Mm. Um, there's just guidelines and it's just open. So even though I'm using the word unstructured, it's just really another way to make music.
0: Mm. Excellent. Yeah. Um So with your writing, um, this might not be so applicable to recording, but um, what do you think was uh, a most desperate moment of innovation? Um, Were there times where you felt like you needed um, certain prompts or certain experiences to flip the way that you would look at your writing to find a new way in?
1: I find that reading is the best way to approach the writing, Mm -hmm. and then after I have looked at other people's ideas, perspectives on the world, um, made some of my own observations in that way, the writing seems to come quite effortlessly Mm. in that way. Um, It's the area where I feel most comfortable I feel like it can just continue because it's just based on observing the world. So as long as it's here mm. to observe, there's something <laughs> to write about.
0: And that could be the topic of another poem, uh, If the World's Still Here to Observe. Yes. Uh, the, way, the way that we're going with um, the environment and humanity in general. Um, that That's often... Um, a discussion that comes up with my kids, like um, like, do we worry about the future because it's hard to think that there's a future there? Mm. Um, uh, and so um, as a parent yourself, does some of that, your children's experiences or uh, I guess perception of the world sometimes feed into uh, your craft?
1: Absolutely. So the latest book that I have just um, put out is actually called The Precipice. Mm-hmm. So I do really feel like we are on the, the edge. Um, but going back to what you're saying about, you know, having those conversations with your children too, it's a real balancing act to have those discussions too because we are in a danger zone. Mm. Um, but you also have to be able to hold on to some hope and some optimism and not scare your children so mm. much, like it is really hard, yeah, yeah. but it, um, and also validate how they're feeling as well. Um, so it's a tricky space, mm. I think, to be in, um, especially as a parent as well.
0: And um, have they started um, finding ways to... Uh, explore those ideas So they artistic themselves
1: um so two are mm-hmm. and one's more science minded so he's going that way but science is still creative right yeah, yeah. so um even though it's not included in the arts but I think you have to have quite a creative mind mm. set to go into it as well um and yeah one's doing circus arts. That's actually a university degree. Even nobody (laughs) knew that out there. You can actually do that. There's a place you can go to. (laughs)
0: known some people that have taught that. Uh, Shout out to Anna if you're listening.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, another one is looking into acting and writing. Um, So, yeah, they're finding ways to express themselves as well.
0: Well, it must be um, inspiring for them to have parents that uh, not only encouraging them but embodying that, um, creative engagement with the world. Um, yeah, it must be inspiring to, to watch people at our age yeah. still, hanging still, on. Still, <laughs> I'm going to say hanging, hanging on, on, but, on um, bravely putting ourselves forward. Yeah. <laughs> <should we> say? <laughs> um, uh, so what would you say? Uh, I mean, this is a very broad, um, life of arts for you, um, beginning with poetry, having the social commentary that's fed that and then moving into music. Um, what are some of the things that you've learned through all of those um, those processes that you feel have carried you the most?
1: You're going to have to get really comfortable with making mistakes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's not the end. Actually, the mistake usually the beginning part of it, the process, and you can have a great idea, what you think is a great idea, and then you can try and implement it and it'll turn out nothing mm-hmm. like what you thought it was going to be. And then you have to sit back from that and try again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest things that I've learned from art is that, which we don't really embrace very much in the world, um, we have to put through this image of yeah perfection, mm. of getting things right. And yeah. like, you should only be doing this if you're instantly good at it, right? Yeah, You know, you've got to have this magic talent and art's magic or something, <laughs> um, but it's not, it's actually just being brave enough to make those mistakes mm. and then go, oh yeah, that's okay. I'm just going to try that again. And then you make another mistake yeah. and go, okay, this is not really working. And then you have to try another way mm. and you just have to keep trying. It's just having that persistence to do it. It's not magic. Nobody just woke up and could, could mo- compose amazing music. Mm. They just had to try and then keep trying and keep going um, and you learn it along the way.
0: It is one of those tropes in it that um, we try to almost mythologize certain writers um, and say, although oh, they're, they're always brilliant. Um or they're always troubled and brilliant. And um, yeah. so we're trying to almost excuse bad behavior because we think the art's um, amazing, but really it's, it's still there open and accessible for everyone if they're prepared to you know, make those first steps and fail and get up again. Um, I think it's, um, it's interesting that the electric guitar sound that is ubiquitous now was originally from uh, guitarists overdriving their amplifiers. Um. So uh, not using the amplifier how it's meant to be used, using it too loud, um, (laughs) and that became the electric guitar sound. So it was actually something being done wrong, technically (laughs) wrong, that is now like one of the most ubiquitous sounds we have for rock music. Okay, so uh, before we finish today, did you want to bring one piece to us, Camille?
1: Yes, I would like to um, recite to you the poem called Little Bird. Little bird, in a forest without a tree, little bird had no reason to sing. All life had been commoditized. where is left for little bird to nest? Crown land or private property, capitalise and capture a king's domain, the rule of law, divine right to own all, trading away the world, leaving nothing for all. Little Bird.
0: Thanks so much, Camille. Um, So do you have things that you would like to plug for us today? Um, Upcoming shows, poetry books? new album so
1: my new poetry book is called the Mm precipice and it's coming out in Australia on the 15th of July Mm -hmm. Um, you'll be able to get it anywhere that you buy your books online Um, if you're in India I actually managed to get a publisher there (laughs) so it's gone out there as well Um, and I am preparing a show for the uh, Melbourne Fringe Festival.
0: Fantastic.
1: So if you um, go along to that, we'd love to see you there.
0: That would be brilliant. Uh, And what's the best place to find you online?
1: Just all the usual streaming services. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm on Instagram as well if you want to check out that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Terrific. I'll put all of those links in the episode description so people can uh, f- find Camille and uh, keep out an eye out for uh, local gigs uh, around Melbourne. Maybe further afield down the track, we you know. Uh,
1: yes, that is a yeah. possibility. Excellent.
0: Well. Um, so thanks again, and uh, remember there is magic in the mystery of not quite knowing what you're doing.
1: Cue playback.